Thanks so much for joining us on the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have a stellar episode today. I have the joy of speaking with Billy Mayfair, and I was just so excited about this interview for so many reasons, but I'm a big fan of his. I if you ever watch my Instagram, you know that I I like to golf. I'm not like amazing, but golf is a very, very big part of my life. My dad grew up golfing with me and now I play with my husband all during the summer. That's when you can play here in Ohio. So if you're not sure who Billy Mayfair is, he is one of the top professional golfers in the United States and has been a regular on the PGA Tour since 1989. He boasts five PGA Tour victories and is the only player to ever beat Tiger Woods in a PGA Tour playoff. He is currently playing on the PGA Tour champions. He was diagnosed with autism in 2019. So I wanted to do an episode uh, for an individual who's been diagnosed later in life. And Billy shares that journey with us. So he was just diagnosed in 2019. And along with his family, he has began a nonprofit foundation tasked with providing support to both amateur and professional athletes and families who have an autistic individual in their family. So today on the podcast, we talk about Billy's journey. We talk about him growing up. We talk about what, if any, supports he had in school. When I have autistic adults on the podcast, I really do like to talk with them about what was their school life like. Did they have any supports? Did they struggle academically? Did they struggle socially? And what supports helped them? As a public school speech therapist, I always want to know how I can help support uh, my students in a greater way. And so then we talk about some of the concerns that his wife had, that he had kind of uh, along his journey to getting a diagnosis. And once he was diagnosed, how he initially felt about that and really how it's uh, helped him know just how he's thinking about things and maybe how he's processing things. And one of the things we also talk about is advocating for yourself. So self-advocacy. This is an amazing episode. I'm so very excited to share Billy Mayfair's journey with you. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Thanks so much for joining us on episode 67 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have a really great episode today. We have with us Billy Mayfair. Thanks so much for joining us, Billy. It's so nice to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. Thank you. That's awesome. And so I'm a big golf fan, so I'm uh-huh. aware of, of who you are. Yeah. I mean, I don't want you to see me swing a golf club or anything. I, I do play. <laughs> I'm located here in Ohio. So, uh-huh. you know, there's only a couple months that you can actually really play, but we get out there, we do couples and I do women's league and all the uh-huh. things. So, but for those of our uh, audience that may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you've been up to? Well, I've, I've been very fortunate in my whole career. I've, I've been, you know, been able to play golf. I've been, I was on the PGA tour, uh, exempt out there for almost 28 years, played a lot of memorials there at Jack's place and all that. And actually when I turned professional, I got to play at Scioto was my first champions or U S open there at Scioto. So I'm very familiar with the Ohio area and all that, but I was born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona. 
went to grade school and, and high school and, and to college here in, in the state of Arizona. And uh, like I said, got on the tour in 1989. We, we kind of keep that kind of quiet when I got out there a long time ago. But I've been very fortunate and very blessed to have a very successful career being out there doing what I love to do. And and uh, it wasn't until about two years ago that my wife had me diagnosed and, and we found out that I had very high functioning autism. Yeah, amazing. I was reading that you're in Arizona and I was telling Billy before we got on that I live in Ohio and my goal is to snowbird out in Arizona. So we love Scottsdale and Actually, Pinnacle Peak Park, I don't know if you know what that is, probably it's out in your area, but there's like this amazing, what I think is probably a country club that when you get to the top of this really cool hike, you can see it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I want to play there. That looks like a really nice, a really nice course. You have a little bit high sphere heights, which I do. And, and oh. that's not, I, I get on that tee real quick and hit it real fast and get out of there. Oh, so there <laughs> are some. Okay. Yeah. Cause that Pinnacle There's, Peak Park is like just a walk, but it's very, you have to be in good shape. I actually did it. I was pregnant with my second child and we went out there for a little baby moon and oh, I was, okay. I was very winded. It was a, it's kind of a, a big hike out there. So you don't, yeah. people don't realize going up, you know, you don't realize it all the time when you're going up or downhill on these mountains. It's yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool that you're from there. But I'm really excited to talk with you today because I have wanted to do a podcast. I've had this podcast. It's a weekly podcast for about a year. And I have autistic individuals on from time to time, as well as you know providers. And so I've wanted to do an episode about late diagnosis of autism. And so uh, with my love of golf and, and being so inspired by your career and your story, as I started to kind of research it, that this really kind of fits in with something that you could share your journey with us. So yes. um, it, it sounds like you just you know got diagnosed in the past couple of years. And mm-hmm. so can you tell us about some of the struggles that you know you faced prior to having this formal diagnosis? Well, I was always kind of um, to myself. I'd love to go out and practice golf was a, a safe haven for me. I'd love to go out to the golf course and hit golf balls for hours and, and chip and putt and go out and play and do things. And and I always like doing it by myself. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. some kids love to have matches and let's do this. And I always kind of wanted to get off by myself and, and, and do my own thing. And even when I got on the PGA Tour, you know, I'd go out and play my practice rounds and play. But I would, you know, eat by myself and, yeah. and not socialize all that much. And, and never realized that this was something that was maybe abnormal. Most, most of the guys out there didn't do that. But that's the way I was functioning. And, and I, and I kind of used it, I thought, to my advantage. Yeah. So, so did you have any, so growing up, did you have any types of supports in school or, or, or no, because it really just wasn't on your radar, huh? No, no, I didn't at all. I, um, you know, I, I struggled through school. School was mm-hmm. very difficult. I put a lot of time and effort into it and didn't get the grades that I thought maybe I deserved to have. I knew a lot of times I knew the information, didn't get the the grades that I should have. So it was hard and all that. But at that time when I was going through high school and all that, they didn't know what autism was. And, right. and I even had high school counselor at Camelback here say, you know, don't bother going to college. Uh, you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to do it, especially if you play a sport. Just go out and get a job and struggle with whatever you can. And, and I think that was kind of motivation for me to go to college and to get mm-hmm. through it and, and, and to do that. And I have found that with a lot of people that I have met over the last few years with autism, that for everyone, there's always that one person who tells you that you can't do it and that motivation to do it. And as we are, as we all know, 
people who do have autism, we're real stubborn. So uh, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, we were very stubborn. And I think that's helped us help me a great deal. Yeah. You kind of get set. And yeah, I, those are some of my biggest motivators in starting. I have a small business, you know, but, you know, back in the day when I would, you know, reach out to somebody or I wouldn't hear back from, you know, somebody that was going to sell my product, I would be like, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm going to get it in 10 other places. Right. So sometimes that can be a real motivator. So growing up, did you struggle with any social aspects or sometimes, you know, so I'm a school speech therapist, middle school, mm-hmm. high school. And so sometimes we could have students that have an autism diagnosis and they may not even really be getting any type of speech therapy services. Sometimes it's hard for students who, you know, are on grade level academically or, you know, are not really struggling as much, or it's kind of like a hidden struggle. But it seems like, you know, you said you kind of kept to yourself. Did it bother you that maybe you weren't socializing that much or really wasn't something you wanted to do? I don't want to say it's not what I wanted to do. I just thought that was the norm. I, yeah. I just that's how most people were, and that's the way. And I didn't look at myself being different, even even yeah. after I was diagnosed. Uh, my and we can talk about this later, but even my denial period, I had. I'm I'm normal. Everybody else is messed up. I'm normal. And, right. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed and read the report that things started kind of to make sense. And I think that's one of the advantages of being diagnosed at an older age. Now, when you go back and you look at things and say, okay, hey, I did this in high school and I did this and and I went and did that, you know, now that makes sense to me. And that's for me when the light bulb went off, once I finally sat down and and listen, I kicked and screamed and and was upset about, you know, even reading after the diagnosis and all that. And, Mm -hmm. And in my time, when I finally did... When I did read it, things started making more sense to me. And yeah. I said to myself, it's okay that I'm this way. And it's okay that I think this way. And, mm-hmm. you know, God, I think, has put me on this earth with this gift. I look at it as a gift. Uh, I know how to kind of get better. And and if there was a blessing during COVID, we weren't playing the tour. So I was able to work with a neuropsychologist, a psychologist here in Arizona, mm-hmm. and a nutritionist to kind of help my body and help my myself get better and to be able to deal with it better and better. But yeah. As we all know, we struggle with it and we learn something new every day. Yeah, absolutely. So you said that your wife was kind of instrumental in helping you see that maybe you needed to to get an evaluator. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I know it seems like now, you know, I spend a very inordinate amount of time on social media. So I, I'm sure you're not on these apps like I am, but I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok even for my small business. And there's a lot of people out there talking about uh, self-diagnosis or, you know, you can get a formal diagnosis. And I know that it sounds like you have a formal diagnosis, but can can you talk to us a little bit about the evaluation or, you know, did your wife bring it up to you and think that this might be something that would be good for you? Well, what happened, my wife kind of always suspected it. She was kind of yeah. doing her own research, reading her own books. Yeah. And then three years ago over in Los Angeles at the PJ tour event in California, I was disqualified after the Saturday round yeah. and, and wrongfully. And yeah. wife noticed that I couldn't comprehend what they were trying to tell me. Yeah. And I wasn't able to stand up for myself. Right. And I was di- I was disqualified, which I found out a week later from the United States Golf Association that I did do everything correctly. And the yeah. tour was wrong for uh, disqualifying me. But it was the fact that I didn't stand up for myself. I mm-hmm. didn't. I couldn't comprehend what was going on. And that's right. when she made the decision that I needed to get tested yeah. and, and do that. Like I said, I kicked and screamed all the way there. I didn't want to do it. And I right. threatened to leave her and all that stuff. <laughs> Even after I had the test done, it took me at least three weeks to read the final report. 
And and I think sometimes when people do that, when it's your turn or when your time or you want to read it, you'll read it. Right. And when you do, it will open your eyes. And that's one of the blessings, I think, of being diagnosed at, at an older age, that things now start making a lot more sense to you and why you are the way you are. Right, right. So do you feel like, so how did you, so initially you were, it seems like you were hesitant, but then after the diagnosis, how did you feel, how did you feel about that? Well, I really, one of the biggest problems I had with my, with my autism was uh, facial expressions. Yeah. Uh, people would talk to me and while they were talking to me, my, my, my mind would start wondering and go in other places and all that. Right. And one of the things we found with the tour was is that when they would interrupt me after my tee shot and tell me about pace of play or something that was going on, my brain went back to, to square one and it had to reprocess everything. Right. So I almost looked like I was being defiant Right. And being an idiot out there, like I was trying to act like I was trying to be slow when my brain was just trying to process information a little bit differently. And I guess one of the things I've found through all this in the years is if you need a couple extra minutes to think about this or to di- to digest information, it's okay to right. say that. Hey, can, can you just give me a second? Let me think about this for a minute. And if the person doesn't want to give it to you, then they're not worth talking to. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it's just finding out that, hey, you know what? It's okay to ask for that extra couple minutes or a minute or two. Let me, let me, and, and we're asking someone a question so that you fully understand what's going on. Yeah, I love that. And that's something as a speech therapist, I work with my students who are in middle school, high school, you know, I work with some autistic students. And when you're in a public school, you work with all different types of students. But um, definitely at that age range, we work on self advocacy. And so we work on that all the time, you know, like now with COVID here in Ohio, we have to wear masks. And that is upsetting to some of my students. So we talk about advocating for a mask break and, and put that into the students, you know, IEP, which is kind of like some supports that they have in school. So that's really good to know that that's something, you know, that you feel comfortable advocating for yourself. And that's that makes me feel good as a provider because that's something I'm trying to work with my students who, you know, when you're in middle school, high school, I'm always thinking of my kids as they become adults, you know, because I always tell them, especially, you know, I always say, you know, that how you're acting now, or if you don't say anything, just like you said, I say to some of the boys, especially I say, you know, that may come across as being defiant as not listening when really maybe you're processing it and you really need to practice saying these things. And then that's what we do in the therapy room, you know, practice in the therapy room. And then it'd be a little easier to generalize when you need to in that moment. So that makes that, me feel good that I'm on the right track there. <laughs> on the right track. And then, like I said, I had a kind of a special thing happen to me last year on the tour. I had a bunch of autistic kids come out and watch me play the last okay. nine holes of a, of a golf tournament. And I didn't yeah. know they were there. Yeah. And it was a long day for me. I wasn't playing very good and I was yeah. tired, but when I got done playing, I, I sat and talked to them for about an hour and a half and wow. the energy that these young, young people gave to me and the, the seeing the relief on their parents' face right. that somebody was trying to get to them and, and, and all that. And it's exactly, as you said, it's okay if you don't catch on to everything, it's okay to take a few extra seconds. And if someone tells you, you can't do it because of your autism, you tell them, yes, I can. Yeah. And it was really neat for have them to come out and watch me play golf, but it was even more energetic for me to yeah. be around them. And that's what, and I can see that in your, your expressions too, that when you find that and you help them, it's mm-hmm. just gives you such a great feeling. 
It does. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So you talked a little bit and I've, I've done a little research, but could you talk to us about, you know, after you had the diagnosis, and I know you formally probably announced that and things like that. Um, do you have any supports in place now, um, you know, in your work? So you have a, an amazing work setting, but, you know, do you have any supports um, secondary to that diagnosis that are kind of helping you um, in the, with the way that, you know, that your brain is operating and all those things? Well, yeah, I, as I said, I'm out on the road. I'm obviously, when I'm home, I'm, I'm talking to a, a neuropsychologist, a psychologist. And, and the one thing that's probably helped me the, the greatest over the past years, I've been working hard with a nutritionist. I found that a lot of people who have autism, and it was me too, craved sugar. Sugar was one of them. Mountain Dew was <sighs> a big point for me. Yeah. And is a lot for candy, is a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I really had to control my diet so that my brain can be calmer so that I can think calmer. But I also did find out too, though, that with autism, if you do the cup of coffee or that Mountain Dew before you go to bed, sometimes can actually relax you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been kind of a struggle, but my nutrition has really, really made a, a big impact for me during this time. Yeah, that's that's great. That's amazing that you have uh, people that have been supportive. Um, so I know you mentioned a foundation. I didn't know if you wanted to share anything about that with our listeners or to tell us more about what you do with the foundation. And I, I don't know much about that. Well, right now, my, my wife and I are starting a foundation for highly functioned uh, autism uh, for athletes and for people out there who to need some help. But we're, our main our main purpose is to try to help the siblings, the father, the son, mm-hmm. uh, the kids that, you know, if someone has autism, they have two, two brothers or two sisters. How about them? You know, they need help because usually they're drowning and so Mm -hmm. are the parents, the grandparents, because it's, it's such a time consuming and overwhelming thing sometimes that it it drives everybody down. And and we've just found that there's just, isn't that much help out there for them. So my wife and I have really tried to make an effort to get a foundation up and going. And it's a slow process, like everything else to try to help, you know, not just the, the athlete or the person who has the autism, but to help the family, the family members and give them support. That's great. And, you know, the thing I have found too, as a provider, and especially just with the way things are funded that, you know, when somebody does become an adult, even if they had services, like maybe even from me in a school, you know, once somebody graduates or ages out of the public school system at about 22, it's really hard for people to get any type of services. So, and, you know, like when you say like, is somebody who is, you know, conversational and they, you know, are on grade level academically and they could have their own job, there's still a lot of barriers, you know, to being able to socialize in an environment or be able to know what all the rules are and to process everything that's taking place. So there's still a lot of barriers for, for autistic individuals that, you know, may appear to others that are conversational and, you know, and all those different types of things. I had somebody on the podcast. He's, he's really cool. His name's Dr. Kerry Magro. He didn't start talking till four and now he's a PhD and a professional speaker. And, you know, he wow. said some, some people would say like, you don't seem like you have autism, you know, and he would say, well, you know, this is just one part of how my brain operates. But for him, he has a lot of sensory needs. And, you know, he said that nobody can really see that, but it's something that he's dealing with, you know, and it's not something that we know about. So he does a lot of public speaking and he always inspires people. I'm sure like your story inspires people and inspires parents. And it's just hard, right? Because it's a spectrum. And now it's one in 44. The CDC just changed the the prevalence rate. So when I started presenting about 10 years ago, I would say it's one in 252. And and so just last month, the CDC said it's one in 44 individuals that are autistic. So 
you know, whether it's somebody who's not yet speaking or somebody who's out like you, you know, professional golfer doing these amazing things, everybody maybe has a couple things that they need support with. And, and just, I think it's great that type of work and, and realizing, yes, that the siblings do need that support too, especially, you know, I have three kids of my own, but it's like, if I had an autistic child, I would probably be taking that child to all their therapy appointments and maybe lugging my kids around and, you know, and it's just, it's hard to keep it all balanced. So it's very hard to keep balanced. And as you said, even the professor who started talking at age four, now he yeah. speaks. I'm sure his wife, you know, if you see the person every once in a while, you don't notice it. But if right. you live with the person or you're around that person every day, you will notice it. Yeah. And it right. Modest times. And that's what people don't understand that, you know, well, he, he acts normal. He plays golf and he speaks and all that. And, you know, there's no autism there. But if you were around that person 24 seven all the time. Right. It appears. It appears. And no matter how prepared you are for it, it it will knock you on your butt. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Billy, and sharing your journey with us. I know that it's going to inspire a lot of people. I was very excited to talk with you today. Do you have a website or anywhere that you would want to direct people if they want to learn more about you or your work? Is there anything specific? I don't know if you're ever online or have anything like that. I'm not too much online right now. We'd have probably talked talk to Steve a little bit more. We're still yeah. trying to get the, the foundation up and going and all that. And okay. Wonderful. And Steve, we're kind of handling that right now, but uh, we're trying to get it up and going. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you, you so for, much, Billy. It was really great thank to you meet for you. Having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.